It is the 21st century. There are too many video games. But out there, it's waiting. The best video game you've never played. Hello and welcome to the best video game that you've never played, the podcast where I, stand-up and improv comedian Lewis Dunn, invite my guests on and challenge them to take on a brand new video game that they have never played before, before then coming back to me to have a conversation to find out whether or not it is the best video game that they have never played. This week, it's Chris Booker who's returning to the podcast, who last time we chatted recommended The Simpsons game to me, and I've brought him a handcrafted, paper-thin, wonderful little handheld game. Why not listen on to find out what he thought of Tearaway? Hello, Chris. Welcome back. How are you doing? Hello, I'm all right. <laughs> You're all right? We've yeah. just had quite... Just to fill in the, the listener, we've just had quite a fun time of setting up this podcast. Hopefully, Chris sounds significantly better this time, don't you? Yeah, Hopefully. <laughs> It's because we've actually figured out that Chris is now recording in stereo, which is a huge upgrade from where we were last time. So that I had a really nice microphone in front of me for the entire last one, and I might as well have just been talking into a sort of cream cracker. You don't just have quite a nice mic. We have the same microphone. We do. Exactly the same. (laughs) It's stunning that we somehow... But anyway, we're here now. We're here now. You've come back to the podcast. We've figured out your technical issues. Yeah. And we're here to talk about the game that I assigned to you. Yes. Um... Which is uh, a game that came out in 2013 called Tear Away for the PlayStation Vita. Now, I should let the listener know I uh, recommended this to Chris primarily because I found out that Chris is one of the other people I know of about three people who actually owns a PlayStation Vita. I know it was it, it was really exciting for me to find out the same thing. Just to hear someone else owns a PlayStation Vita. We're like small islands adrift on a vast ocean of everyone else in the world. <laughs> but this is the thing. I I was so delighted to find out that you had a Vita and then was absolutely amazed to discover that you had never played Tearaway because as far as I'm concerned, Tearaway is basically the only reason the PlayStation Vita shouldn't be confined to the bin of obscurity forever because I think Tearaway is the best game for the PlayStation Vita. And not just that, I think it's one of the best games in the PlayStation like pantheon of exclusive games. I I think it's not only you that thinks that. I think Sony thinks that as well because um I don't know if I, I don't know at what stage you got Tear Away, but I do know that um I I only got it like 2 weeks ago. Um, but what Sony did for everyone who owned a PlayStation Vita is they essentially did that old um, U2 album thing that Apple yes. had a few years ago. So they pushed the demo of Tearaway to every PlayStation Vita, and it just appeared when you had a software update. And I played the demo, and it, I was kind of lukewarm on it. So I played it and then just didn't buy it. Because at the time it was like, it linked at the end of the demo to the PlayStation Store and said £35. And I went, I can't really justify that. I think you can. I think you can for Tearaway. I think, so I got Tearaway um, 
I basically I bought a PlayStation Vita fairly late in its life cycle, and it was a bundle, mm. which was a 16 gigabyte memory card with Tearaway pre-installed on it, and it was a new new package. Okay, this is something that we are. We, I mean, we we diverted an awful lot in the original podcast, um, but one of the major <laughs> diversions we are going to have is just talking generally about the PlayStation Vita because yeah. I uh, was an early adopter. And that was that was a huge mistake for the PlayStation it was. Vita. It, it was it was a huge mistake for both the PlayStation Vita and me because <laughs> what I did was I bought. It, it's a little bit like it's it's a bit like buying shares in the Titanic at the point <laughs> when they've announced they've entered the Arctic Circle. It's, well, no, it's like I don't. We're most of the way there. It'll be fine, surely. It was. I don't think that's quite true. I think the problem you've got is so the reason one of the reasons I got the Vita. Was because partly was because of Tearaway because I'd seen Tearaway and I thought it looked great and I thought it'd be great, but it was also because um, I had a I had a friend who owned one and mm. we used to use it to play Spelunky on okay. the PlayStation Four through Landlink and I basically slowly realised through him owning a Vita that things like PlayStation One games existed on it and I was like oh, I would mm. quite like a portable PlayStation One. That that's and... the biggest justifier of it throughout its life cycle because um I, that's the main thing that I used my Vita for until very, very recently when I started getting a couple of extra Vita games like Tearaway. I mainly did just use it for the small number of PlayStation One games I had. Yes, well, this is the thing. The, one of the biggest motivators in the end for me getting the Vita was that every month I had PlayStation Plus relatively early certainly i had playstation plus since the launch of the playstation vita mm. and over about two or three years i accrued most of the playstation vita's catalog via yeah. playstation plus so there was by the time i bought the console it wasn't just that i had tearaway pre-installed i had access to like probably over 50 games yeah through a combination of ps vita and ps1 we have tearaway i should probably tell the listeners what tearaway is Tearaway is a 3D platformer. It is a game where you guide a little paper messenger called Iota uh, mm. through a papercraft world. And when I say a papercraft world, everything in the game is made of paper and indeed can be made in the real world out of paper. Yeah. Uh, and the game gives you recipes and tells you how to make uh, animals and levels that you see in the game out of paper. Yeah. Uh, the game is interacted via the PlayStation Vita, and it's crucial that this is a PlayStation Vita game because this game not only uses the touchscreen, it uses a microphone, it uses the camera, it also uses the much vaunted and most pointless feature any video game console has ever been given. Okay, you're going to say something that I massively, I massively disagree with. You're going to say something that I really disagree with, but go on. <laughs> The PS Vita's rear touch panel, which is, I think, one of the most useless things that's ever been put on a games console. It's, it it's, makes okay. brilliant use of it um, <laughs> through different interactive moments, and in particular the combat. Uh, this game is basically designed to be a showcase for absolutely everything you can do on the PlayStation Vita. Yes. And I think it is the only game that ever successfully did that. Yeah, I I can see that, and I think I largely agree. Although, I want to before this podcast started, I thought, no, this isn't going to be as confrontational as the last one. <laughs> but then you said something that I, I think the rear touchscreen is genius. Can because... you name another game that made good use of it? Okay. And, and specifically, good use of it in a way that it wasn't just another button. Okay, now here's here's the thing. No, but... <laughs> there we go. But but as as a button, it's in a more comfortable location than... What what I mean is, 
I would rather well, you know the um you know the big rectangular button that a PlayStation Four has, the touchpad in the center, the touchpad, the big rectangular, yes. pointless. That would be so much more comfortable for your hands if that was on the back. Ah, but the point of that touchpad is that you can see it. Okay. What? <laughs> well, the point the point of that touchpad is it's for the use of interaction on menus mostly. Yeah, but I, I okay, I see what you're no I, no it's no because that's the purpose that's been. Because it's been crowbarred in. You use it on a menu, but you don't have to use it on a menu. That's such like a... I uh, Now, I do get delight from using it as a trackpad. That brings me joy. Yeah. But that is crowbarred in. And if it was on the back as a button, I think it would be more comfortable. Well, look, if we're going to have a discussion about whether or not the touchpad on the PS4 was a good idea, I think we can also agree it probably wasn't. No, that's true. But I... um, In fact, the, the best use of the touchpad on the PlayStation DualShock I've seen was in Astro's Playroom, which is on a different controller on a different <laughs> console. <laughs> I, You see, I really liked the rear touchpad because, and I guess it is because ultimately I quite like, I, I'm fond of a gimmick. Um, yeah, but, I, but it, it, a gimmick's usually like this is this is the only game I can think of that actually used the rear touchpad as a rear touchpad. Everything else used it as L two and R two. Yeah, and objectively, and, and I massively prefer L two and R two. I do as well, and that was I, I opted for the rear touchscreen as being because if you play a PlayStation One game on a Vita, you can choose where you want L two, L three, R two, and R three to be because it doesn't have those. It just has like the left, uh, the L and R buttons, mm. um, which is a problem but you can assign and it's so much more comfortable it said do you want it on the front screen or the rear screen i was like well the rear screen because then i've got a load of i've got like six fingers back there doing nothing and i find it weird that you have to hover your fingers like on l2 and r2 i can rest my fingers on those buttons and that's generally how i play games whereas with 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 the rear touchpad i have to sort of rest my fingers hovering above where they might end up becoming useful and then i nearly drop the console yeah my defense of it is more just I think it it had the it's got such a potential and because it was only ever on on like it has zero a Vita. potential no it, no it has zero <laughs> potential because only one game ever found a use for it okay. and their use for it just to be clear is that the game creates situations where you literally poke your finger into the world of the mm. game and move it around in the world i.e. the only use they could find for the rear touchpad was to make it so that the game was about you pushing your finger into the game like a weirdo yeah and moving it about and look i really like its implementation in Terraway. i think it's really yeah. fun and cute and inventive it's also quite immersive as well mm. for what for what the game wants what wants it to be it does it, it, it is immersive it's not so much i mean it, it's a gimmick overall but it's not it, it, it's not a gimmicky use of the button i suppose is the best way of putting it it's it's not gimmicky in the game well look i'm i think gimmick is a much maligned term, but I don't think hmm. it has to be. I, I'm happy to say it is a gimmick. I don't think... I didn't see the finger pop up in the world and I went, this will change video game design yeah. forever. I was like, no, what a cute little gimmick. What a no, cool little true. idea. And and it has it has so much detail in it as well. Like um, One of the coolest things about it, because literally it can't be understated what happens when you touch the rear touchpad. And it is a, it is only at certain moments. It's at um, predetermined hmm. moments where the floor is like this thin kind of papery material that is designed to have the finger poked through. Um, right at the beginning of the game, it asks you what skin tone you have uh, so that the finger that pokes through is largely matching your skin tone, which is a nice detail. Mm. Um, it because is. When it's my, a lovely well, detail. Well, it's, it's mainly a nice detail because when my partner first saw it, 
she did ask, well, what happens if you're not a, a pale idiot like me? And I think those were her exact words. <laughs> Th- things aren't so good at home. But, um, <laughs> but no, it, it does, it, it, it has that right at the beginning cause, um, because it should. But also, one of the coolest details about it is the PlayStation Vita has a front-facing camera and a rear-facing camera. And the mm. rear f- and both cameras are on the entire time. They're not recording or anything, but they're always filming. And what the rear sc- the rear camera is filming, the camera that's facing away from you, is it's just filming it so that it can show you what's going on when you break through that screen. When you yes. poke your finger through, you can see glimpses of your actual like living room. And I noticed that when I was I was playing in my living room and I had like a yellow towel or something draped over a footstool. And I thought, what what's that in the kind of in the other world? Oh, it's that yellow towel, and you move it around because the whole game is inside the Vita. Yes, and, the, and yeah. the, in, canonically, it's inside the Vita as well. Well, I think this is a fantastic. So this is the thing: um, the setup for Tearaway is essentially there is a small messenger boy or messenger girl. You can determine uh, the gender of the the protagonist um, yeah. who is trying to get to you. Mm. And you are the sun. And as you say, that uses the front and rear cameras. And the front camera shows your face in the sun, looking down, saying, hey, come up here. Like the Teletubbies. Yeah, very much like the Teletubbies. (laughs) And and so what the game does that I think is beautiful is... is, So there's obviously this this theatrical term, which is breaking the fourth wall, which is essentially Mm. turning to the audience and talking to the audience acknowledging that the play is a play and and breaking down and being meta about the whole thing. The thing I love about Tearaway is it doesn't break the fourth wall. It moves the fourth wall behind you. So it's not saying, it's not saying I'm a video game. It's saying you're here too. Mm. Oh, it's so good that you are here in this wonderful world of paper and things. And it makes you part of the game rather than the game like, like we, we, the game we discussed, the Simpsons game. The Simpsons game sort of has an existential crisis about the nature of existence <laughs> before it comes to an ending. Whereas what Tearaway does is it expands its world into your world yeah. and says that they're the same thing, rather than trying to be meta and clever about it in the sense of like, like you know, existential crises. It's it's really inviting and lovely, and the whole thing is done through the medium of storytellers. There are two storytellers telling you the story mm-hmm. of what's going on. And it's it comes from Media Molecule, who I think are sort of semi semi obsessed with this combination of like making games out of real world materials because obviously yeah. they made Little Big Planet, which is all sort of made out of arts and craftsy bits. Yeah, but also about this idea that you are playing with the characters of the world because they also made Dreams, which is another game that I've got, which is a I mean to call it a video game is 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 an interesting <laughs> distinction. It's more of a sort of game engine that's easy to make with easier to make with than yeah. something like Unreal. But that game too, very obsessed with this idea of like we're here to create and tell stories and build things and like the whole world is uh is is part of it with you. There is there is no um fiction here we're all part of the same story and i feel like tearaway is the best thing media molecule has made in terms of being a video game largely because tearaway doesn't actually have um user like a level editor yeah yeah it has some user created content it it does but in 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 a very interesting way um it it's it, it goes i would say it goes slightly further than incorporating you in the game 
in terms of plot, you're not in the game. You are, you're the plot. Like mm. that you the the idea is that the messenger is delivering a message to you because your face has just all of a sudden appeared in their world. Yes, that's true. And yeah, the, you're the and, inciting incident. Yeah, and actually by opening by the sun being open and there being a face in it, all the little uh enemies have broken through the sun as well. And the little enemies are adorable little box creatures called scraps. And mm. uh, uh, the the plot kind of the plot kind of gets a bit hand wavy, but um, the the overall plot is the messenger needs to get to the sun and and deliver a message. But it, you're such a focus, like like the whole world is obsessed with you mm. because there's a face in the sun, and that's not normal. Yes, and you interact with the way in with the world in a way that mm. the world is not used to. Yeah. So we, we I've been, I say you play as Iota. You don't really play as Iota. You sort of play as the world around Iota. Yeah. And you guide him. Like ostensibly, you have one-to-one control of him. Like you can move around and jump as Iota and things. But also, yeah. you're controlling things like you can bump things to knock them over. You can like there's a sequence of remembering where you sort of bang on a drum almost to create bouncy platforms that, to get. That's not just things. a sequence. That's a recurring thing. That's a that's a regular platforming thing starting yeah. on like the second level and it, it progresses all the way through that's that's something that another use of the rear touch screen is is that yeah as a platforming aid yeah and like characters will like i think there's a sequence as well with the scarecrow where he asks you to give them a terrifying scare to scare off crows and yep. then your voice gets integrated into the game as the scarecrow's voice because he recurs a few times and uses his, his scary yelled a few times yeah and it's just it's so playful it it's is beautifully playful with you and its world, and like you yeah. say, it, its plot does get a little bit hand wavy in mm. terms of like things just do sort of happen at a certain point. Um, yeah, but it, I don't mind because the story it's telling is so charming and so the, nice. The story is is incredibly charming, and it's it's broken into. Um, I should say I started playing it about oh I don't know two weeks ago. As soon as it arrived, I started playing it, and then I um, stopped playing it because we didn't have a set date for this and i started (laughs) started playing pokemon um (laughs) and um then i started playing it again and um i wanted to completely finish it and i i did i got everything i got the platinum trophy i got 100 oh you okay we will talk about this and based on your tone of voice you're not pleased to associate with me (laughs) i just it's more that i'm Look, I guess you and I play games in a different way, but from my perspective, when I was playing Tearaway, when I play most video games, to be fair, I'm not yeah. in it to beat it 100%. I don't think, I yeah. think there's a handful of games I could say I've beaten 100%. Mm. Um, I mostly play, or at least the first time I play a video game, I play through from beginning to end. I largely, I don't necessarily ignore side stuff, but I only grab the side stuff that interests me. Yeah, you don't go out of your way to look for it. I want to circle back to the gameplay because I have some stuff to say and that it kind of all ties into the 100% completion. But I would like to say about the story, the story is broken up into three distinct parts. And the first part is a very straightforward, like the messenger needs to deliver a message to the sun. And what happens is the messenger gets to the sun and the storytellers aren't satisfied with the story. One of them says, I've heard this one before. And then it, it sort of, 
conspires against you and just happens and an enemy just happens to appear knocks you down into a forest and then thus begins the second part and one yeah. of the best things i can say about this game is that comes at about one third through because each one is is very good about being dividing the game into a third yeah. um so one third through the game i think it took me maybe of of constant playtime maybe two and a half hours to get to that point and i was feeling worried that this was going to be the end because you climb up a hill and you're getting closer mm. and closer to the sun and then you have to like adjust a catapult because it's going to fling you into the sun and i was worried that that was going to be the end of the game because i had not had my fill and yeah. that is that is a really good sign because mm. At no point during the story, because that's only one third through, at no point during the story did I think, all right, come on, wrap it up. It It's such a perfect length for what it does, because it, it exhausts everything that it does, but not to the point <laughs> of it being irritating. And the second part is a story about how you've fallen into the, the deep woods and you meet a friend. You meet a little sort of... It's, it's called a baby a wend wendigo. It's a yeah. baby wendigo. And I got... I, I, I'm the tricky thing is the Wendigo when I first saw it I'm like that's the monster from Until Dawn <laughs> so <laughs> this thing grows up to be such an abomination but um, it's it's like a, it looks like a sloth it looks like a tiny baby sloth or a slackoth from a for if you're playing Pokemon Ruby and or Sapphire <laughs> um, but of course you can trade it into Fire Red and Leaf Green as we all know but um, it, it's like a little paper crafted sloth and it Immediately, it's adorable. I mean, it's like scientifically engineered to tug on your heartstrings. And it falls down into like a pit. And you mm. go to the harbour and you find out that actually there's a there's a pit with all this... I mean, I'm talking as I realise that I don't fully remember it. And I was going to say there's a pit with some bollocks going on. And, <laughs> and you find out that basically this is like the, the scraps have been trying to... Okay, the second part is is less straightforward. <laughs> Yeah, so um, in the second part, you go to Sogport. Sogport, um, yeah. Which is a, a sort of, uh, as you say, it's sort of like a, a seaside town. An adorable seaside. That's the thing. Every Substitute everything in this game with what you said, but preface it with the word adorable. And yeah, every, have, yeah, everything is adorable. There's a whole sequence in this game where you meet the king of squirrels and design his crown, and it's the cutest thing I've ever done in a game. Yeah, it was so um, cute that I actually felt like, because I've heard, like, I, I know that there'll be some people who have the instinct to draw a cock and balls and pop it on the squirrel, but there was no part of me that wanted to do that because it was so adorable. The little paper squirrel was like, I need a crown. I was like, I'll, I'll design you a crown, little friend. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, yeah, so just to, just to sort of polish off here, like basically you're right. Yeah, the game... So the first part of the game is climbing this mountain, which mm -hmm. then has a fake-out ending. You then go into Sogport where you help this baby Wendigo and explore that town. And that bit's a little bit more... I don't know, kind of adventure -y. You're talking to people a bit more. It's a, you know, it's a bit more... It, it feels more epic. as a, It feels like... The first one is an epic thing that your character's doing. The second thing is saving a town because you save the you save the um, people who work at the harbor. Really tried not to say seamen there. You save the <laughs> sailors uh, and you save the scientists. You save all these people from the plot that the scraps have. So it feels more like a kind of yeah. epic story. And then the third part is, um, I. It, it, it's, I guess, like a kind of vision quest sort of thing. Yeah, it's... so basically the storytellers run out of, like, ideas for the story. Yeah. And you fall into what is known as the between the pages. Yeah. 
And so uh, the storytellers, now unsure where to take the story, decide to wing it. Mm. And uh, they uh, plop you in a desert and you do a, a whole section about traveling through the desert. And that gets a, yeah. like very, very briefly. I don't think necessarily there's a very large open space that you can explore and it's semi open worldish, but not really. Where's what, what, the desert? Yeah. I take issue with what you've just said there. Yeah. It's it, it's open in that it's wide. And there's I, lots of things to find in it that are separate from what you have to do to succeed in the game. No, there's confetti in it. Yeah, it's, you need that to you, that's bonus and there's little bonus like yeah, things you bit, can find by riding your pig around. That's true. And uh, and again, I've got notes on the pig because um because the pig <laughs> again preface it with the word adorable. And there was no point in the story of this game where it wasn't adorable and it wasn't endearing and it wasn't I d- I never stopped having a smile on my face when playing through the story. Mm. Um it was it was just consistently a delight. The desert isn't open, it's just wide. That's it's the just, same. It's it's not because because that is, it is. Open no, world but, games are just wide level no, games. No, no, because what happens in an open world game is there's a huge kind of space with things to do in it. This no, is, no, 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 not no, in the no. open, not I'm in the sta- open world games I've played. I'm there's a huge sa- open space and a marker where you go. I'm so glad that you you stopped me because I realised that I was starting to sound like you, like shooting me down. But what happens in that bit is you walk across the desert and then there is some more linear, linear platforming. The whole desert level isn't open. Mm. It's this small bit. And it still isn't open because there's one way in and one way out. It's yeah. just it's just a point where it kind of widens. And there's not really that much there. It, it It's effective to make it a desert, but I wouldn't say it's an open world. I'd just say it's... No, that's fair. That's no, it's, fair. it's a little bit like saying Uncharted is an open world game. Well, because... Uncharted The Lost Legacy has what I would call an open world level. Uh, yeah, but I'd, I've not played it, and you have <laughs> burned the bridge of trust in my mind, because what I'm what? picturing is just a field. No, it's bigger. it's got more stuff in it than a field. What what Uncharted The Lost Legacy does is there's a chapter whereby there are like ten optional side puzzles that okay. you can do in this chapter, but you don't have to do them to progress the game. That um, sounds like an open world. The thing yes, in Tearaway it is, a bit an open world. is not... No, it's not really. No, it's not. No. You're right. It's just, and, it's just a very wide level. Yeah, and and you know what? I could even tell by your tone of voice that you did not believe what you were selling. <laughs> there was definitely. I was a more mo- trying to communicate nah. this idea that like, it's ve- the game, and it's the thing that I praised the Simpsons game when you brought that on for. The thing I love about Tearaway is it's a game that is constantly inventing and reinventing and coming up with new mechanics and new yeah. locations. And like, w- one of the reasons to play Tearaway from start to end is to find out what's around the next corner. Yes, because what's yeah. around the next corner will not be the same thing that you were doing an hour ago. No, it's true. Every single location is... Some of the locations have similar themes, and there are some parts that I'm slightly getting confused as to where they are in the timeline of the story. But <laughs> the gameplay involved in each section is unique. There's a there's kind of a difficulty curve, but again, I feel like that's something that we'll get onto when we talk about the, the big thing that I have about this game. Um, and... Um, the the story the story does keep you interested, and it it's not it's not as short as it seems. I think the fake out ending does a good job of like kind of making the game feel a bit longer because it makes the last two thirds feel like a kind of bonus. 
Um, which that's... yeah, which is bizarre because the majority of the game is actually yeah after the first third. It, it's almost like um, it, 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 I guess the best way of thinking of it is it's the end of the tutorial, but the game never really stops tutorializing things because mm. it's there are some obviously in a console that has like motion sensors and has an accelerometer. At some point, you have to tilt it to make platforms work, but that doesn't appear until the final third of the game. So the first time you discover those, that's, like, the second-to-last level. And it's crazy that something that is that becomes that fundamental and is that easy to implement is so late in the game. But it's it's because it's just, it's just another thing to keep things kind of interesting. It's so that the platforming in the later level isn't identical to the ones you to the stuff you've been doing before. And in that sense, it's it's got a very good kind of way of progressing the feel through gameplay. Well, the thing that is that Tearaway, I think, is the closest that any Sony exclusive has ever got to being uh, like a Mario game. Yeah. In that way, because that's certainly that's one of the reasons that Mario mm. Galaxy is one of my favorite games of all time, is that you can get to the last levels in Mario Galaxy and you're being asked to do things you've never done before in the game or they've built on a concept you were given earlier and you're doing it in a completely new and interesting way. Yeah. And I think Tearaway has that same level of commitment to keep evolving, keep changing. If there isn't something interesting about what we're doing right now, why is it in the game? Cut it, keep building on it and yeah. making it more and more interesting. Yeah. It's... But the difference is, is that by the end of Tearaway, I get misty-eyed. I I agree. And the, I guess, spoiler, because... The... <laughs> we spoiled quite a lot of it. We have, but the thing is, I, I would say that the, the whole thing is, like the whole mystery surrounding it is, What's the message that's being delivered? And it turns out the message that's being delivered is essentially a scrapbook of your adventure with, uh, in your case, Iota. I actually chose uh, the female character um, who is called Atois, because it's Iota backwards. Um, for for the reason being that I, on the demo, it was a little image of Atois, and on the actual game that I bought, it was an image of Iota, and I was like, I'm representing the demo that I played. Um but I um I can't remember what I was saying. No, but yeah, um, but by the yeah. end you get the you get the, the message. Yeah. And it's and you basically find out that the journey that you've been on, you get it from the perspective of the messenger. Yeah. From a etoile or Iota. Uh, yeah. And and it's it's so adorable. It's it's like it's not because I got a bit misty eyed as well. And it's not because it's sad, it's not because it's like a tragic thing. It's because it's just because it's so nice. It's not saccharine. It's not like it's it's not too like I don't know. It's not too much. It's it feels perfect because it's basically like here's this amazing adventure I've gone on, and here are like here are all the memories I've had, and here are all the like the good times we've had. Because it talks about how it didn't trust the sun to begin with, um, and that's something that happens in the first chat. Like for the first third of the game, you can't jump. Because, because you're te- you're pressing a button, but that pressing a button doesn't do anything. You just press you're pressing a button, but then someone tells you, "Look, if the sun wants you to jump, you should probably jump." And I think that's literally what they say, because basically you try and launch the messenger into the sun using a giant X button that, when you press it, fires them up, and then they land back on the ground because they haven't gone far enough. And someone's like, "Maybe every time the X button's pressed, you should just do a little hop." Um, which was so cool. 
Yeah, uh, it's it, yeah. it's very bold for a 3D platformer to open and you cannot jump. Yeah, you can't. But it's it's also not a loss. You don't feel like I should be able to jump. I pressed it and was surprised that nothing happened. But it's you don't feel you don't feel held back by not being able to jump. Yeah, and it's quickly like as you say, you you do eventually you you do eventually get to the stage where you can jump. Yeah, and then um, that's when the platforming starts evolving. Yeah, yeah, and it's also great because you know it's kind of more. This game has a very sort of child-friendly aesthetic, and it's sort of definitely aimed at, I would say, it's an all-ages game, uh, in much the same way Mario is, or, or something along those lines. But, like, starting you off and your only interaction being moving through a 3D space, for a lot of people who, who maybe have never played a 3D video game before, that's a big deal. And I think it does a great job of, like, slowly bringing in all these mechanics and making it so it, if it started you with right tapping the back screen activates a drum tapping the front screen can do this you can twist the control around to this it would be a nightmare that's a very good point actually i'd not thought about the reason what yeah that's a very good point it's so it's it's so gentle and that's so good for people who don't play it so often but i'm you and i are both 50 year old men who've been playing games <laughs> games for ages yes and, yes and it it wasn't it didn't feel like baby's first 3D platformer because yeah no be- it, because it, it, it has a good reason it has a yeah. good story reason that these things are being slowly introduced yeah and it's it's so cool. and i felt and this is like a small kind of low ball kind of con that i have about the game is when other things are introduced it is nowhere near as endearing as the it it really like early doors like the jump button being introduced felt momentous it felt like i'd really achieved something and then when you get you get eventually a roll button and that is literally just mm. a squirrel turns up and says you know that rolling you just did now you can roll anytime just press the circle button and it's like the circle button is a hole surely you could have done something with that like it's that's such a missed opportunity and i did feel like a sort of and, and other things don't get introduced in quite an endearing way, but it's the pacing of the game that's led up to that point that means that it's not more of a problem. I just feel like, I don't know, it, it, I just feel like it was a missed opportunity in a lot of ways. I don't know. I, I mean, the circle being roll makes sense to me because the circle is a circle, so you curl yeah. up into a ball. That's true, um, but w- why didn't you, why wasn't there, why wasn't there a big old circular hole and something says, how on earth will you get through this? And then you figure it out by like, Pressing the circle button. I mean, you could, do. you could do. Yeah. But then you're kind of repeating the same thing that you did earlier with the X button. Yeah, I but think, it was adorable. Think... Why not re- repeat adorable? You, look, I've seen a puppy t- I've seen a puppy today. I'm not going to look at another one. No, new ideas. The whole game is about new ideas and pushing through and doing the next thing. Like, And then the role. You just reminded me, the role section comes uh, and you do lots of fun, like, uh, sort of Super Monkey Ball, Marble Madness style platforming when you roll up in a ball and do all those things. Like, I think yeah. there's a section where you go through... Is it a machine that makes cider? It's a machine that processes apples in some way, isn't it? Oh, I think maybe because you're in a barn. Um, yes, I, yeah. I, I don't remember what the machine actually does, but you do roll through it. And, and what makes it interesting is you can't jump when you're rolling. So there's normally contextual times to do it. But um, mm. it, it's it's a very cool section. And that's the bit right before you learn how to roll just normally. Because rolling becomes a mechanic that you use to defeat enemies and knock over obstacles, things like that. But I yes, think yeah. I think it is something like that in the barn that you roll along, and it is very Super Monkey Ball esque. Um, yeah, a little bit of touchscreen stuff because you use the touchscreen to adjust the angle of platformers. Uh, platformers. Yes, that was it. Yeah, you yeah. basically build like marble runs yeah. using the touchscreen. Yeah, and and if you go like the way that it's not quite driving you towards, you get 
a collectible things like that yeah yeah well we should talk about this so there's there's two more major things about tearaway that i really want to talk about the first of which is that stuff we hinted at earlier the user generated content yeah you can make things in the game out of paper for when characters request so we mentioned earlier there's a squirrel that's like uh the king of squirrels and he's like can you make me a crown yeah and the way that you design things in this paper craft world is you use the touch screen to like cut out pieces of paper mm. and you can add layers and add different layers on top until eventually you make the crown that you want to give to the to the little creature yeah and this is one of the best integrations of a touchscreen I've ever seen in a video game. Yes. It made me feel so creative and so involved in what was going on. And yeah. I'm rubbish at creativity in video games. I, I feel... Okay. I, I, I have some problems with this, but I feel exactly the same way. I'm so... I have such a lack of creativity when it comes to things like this, which is which is cracking advertising, by the way, for <laughs> when we return to stand-up, by the way. Two people completely <laughs> lacking in imagination and creativity... <laughs> When um, it comes to the visual arts, yes. When it comes, yeah, all right. I mean, you can say that. For me, it's everything. <laughs> um, but it's it's such a it, it it's it feels so like when Little Big Planet says, "Here's a blank canvas, make a level." I just sit there, just going, uh, well, I guess I can remake a level from another game," and that's, that's kind of it. But um, it, it it is like make a crown, and you're like, "Oh, I can do that." And you draw, there are like various colours of felt and you drag them onto the cutting mat and you draw your outline and the touchscreen works fine. It doesn't work, it doesn't work brilliantly for this. I loved that little papercraft making thing. When they ported it to the PlayStation 4, you did the same papercraft but you did it on the touchpad for the DualShock. Mm. And it worked surprisingly well, given I, that you weren't using it on the same screen as the thing you were touching. It worked. It's, it's amazingly good. I would say that that doesn't surprise me so much because in my head, that feels like it would work better. Because one of the biggest nightmares I had with that making things on the papercraft is, I, let's say I wanted to draw like a leaf or something. Oh, no. The, the best example is one of the things it wants you to draw at some point is it's like, draw as a snowflake. Yeah. Draw, draw a snowflake, and then your snowflake that you've drawn will be replicated a thousand times and flutter in the background oh, of the level yeah. you play. And it's amazing. Oh, that's adorable. It's so cool. But drawing precision on that fucker is... <laughs> is because I don't know, maybe it's because I've got massive fat fingers, like a sort of Augustus Gloop kind of figure. But I... <laughs> If, if you try and draw... Because I obviously wanted to draw a snowflake, so I drew like a sort of six-sided arrow thing. Like mm. the like the flag in community. Um, and I, um, so I drew that, but you can't really see what you've drawn. And the Vita's touchscreen is good till it's not. It's not perfect. Yeah, it, the, it, I think the Vita's touchscreen is much like the touchscreen of a phone in that it kind of relies on like heat or something mm. to complete an electronic connection. So yeah. it doesn't have that precision of a stylus that the DS would have, for example. Yeah, but the thing about a phone is I've never had a problem with a touchscreen phone as much as I've had problems with the Vita. Like, the Vita is so temperamental when it's at its worst. Normally it works fine, but for something that requires this much precision, you'd really feel like the, the creaking edges. It's It gets really problematic. And... The problem with this sort of creating thing is the idea of it is you draw an outline and then you click the scissor button and the scissors cut out exactly what you've drawn. But mm. just like in the real world, if you've not properly connected the start and end, oh, yeah. you're not cutting that you're not cutting that out. You're just sort of cutting most of it. And trying to draw that little extra line to connect 
the two cut bits is nigh on impossible. Yeah, it's, no, I forgot that was how it did it, yeah. It, so yeah. so I think having it on the PS4 would be better, because at least then you could see what you're doing. Because well, on the PS4 they go one further in that you can also just hook up your smartphone yeah. and do it all on that. That's a great idea. I, I think it doesn't necessarily solve the problem of it's difficult to see if you've connected the two visually because your massive fingers in the way. Usually you can't <laughs> precisely see what two things are connected. But I, the Vita, I, it's like if I play it for an extended period of time, at least once every 45 minutes, it's like something's wrong with this thing. It's not doing it. It's not doing what it should be doing. You might well. you might have a broken Vita to be fair. That's that would be just my luck. I um <laughs> the rear touch screen never had a problem. Never like it always seems to work where I touch it perfectly fine. The front touch screen, I don't know what it is. It's it 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 works fine most of the time, but when it stops working, it's just it it's just a nightmare. And that crafting thing is really good until you have that problem. And if you want to, uh, the crown we were talking about, you draw a crown, yeah. the cheeky squirrel, when you draw the crown, is like, I'd quite like some jewels on that. It's like, all right, I mean, it's a squirrel, but okay, I'll draw you some jewels. And obviously you want to draw them quite small, because jewels aren't big. <laughs> and, <laughs> they can be. <laughs> and trying to draw a precise, tiny little circle, because there's no zooming. You can't like make no, it big and no then zooming, shrink it. Right. No, yeah. which is which is a problem, because... It, then you could just draw like a big one, make little details like, oh, it's like a teardrop shape and then shrink it down, stick it on. No, it has to be the size you want it to be. I, I think, though, that... Rela- well, it relates slightly to the idea of like, it's paper. Yes. You and can't I, make yeah. paper bigger or smaller. And also, I don't like... Maybe it's just because I embraced it early on and I realised this was how it was going to be. Yeah. I'm not trying to create like brilliant, incredible things on it. And maybe people can create brilliant, incredible, detailed, wonderful looking things. I'm more embracing the idea that the game's going, you make the crown. And so I make like a, I make like a crude little crown that I can make out of paper. Yeah. And then the game's like, oh, great. Thanks. I love it. And I'm like, oh, I thank you. I made that. Yeah. No, I, I don't I, think the I game ever goes rubbish. Do it again. That's true. It, no matter what you do, it and this this really ties into it being a family game. It never like goes. You could do better than that. Come on. <laughs> it, everything is everything is amazing, and they're really grateful for you doing it. And that is the best part of it is when you make it, give it to them, and you see your creation on the screen. And it's not just there. You'll see it again. You'll see it around. You'll be walking through a different level. You're like, oh, it's still wearing the crown that I made it ages and ages ago. And it's it's so cool, mm. and it's the same with the snowflake. Like I said, I because um, I didn't zoom out far enough to see that you could have white paper, so I made a pink snowflake, <laughs> um, and so it was quite clear to me when it was using my snowflake, and that's such a nice feeling. I just yeah. think that like it, I I I I realize that you can't resize paper, but what you can do is you can shove your fl- your face closer to the paper. To make it easier to draw, small right? You things. want to, you would like to zoom in rather than necessarily resize. Zoom in, you can zoom in a bit, but it's it's such a minor amount. I don't think you can zoom in any further than filling the whole screen with that cutting mat. You can zoom yeah. out, but you can't zoom in much further than that. And it was that precision was was a slight issue. It's not really a major issue because you could just draw like no matter what, they'll be happy with it. You could, like I said at the beginning, just draw a cock and balls and. You, you, the wonder of your heart has clearly been lost to time if you do that. 
But um, brilliantly, the game will let you do that. Like one of the things that's will. quite nice about Tearaway is because it's not one of these online user-generated content games. Yeah. There's no censorship or limitation on what you get to do. There's no, you know, you you can fill it with the most copyright materials all you want. Yeah. You can draw cock and balls. You can write obscenities. The game lets mm. you do it. It doesn't change. Yeah. Doesn't stop you from like the game being what it is, and like it just has this this touch to it. That's the thing is that it has mm. it has this personal, intimate feeling to it, it that does you're feel contributing personal, yeah. to the world. Yeah, it feels like you're like I, I imagine if I played your Tearaway, there would be. I mean, it would be. It, it would lose a lot of magic if I played your Tearaway because, for one thing, posters of your face would be around and like. Yes, that's true. Yeah, yeah, because because at certain points you have to take pictures of yourself um, to introduce to the world. Um, you also get uh, one of the things you do get in this game is your character gets a camera uh, to take mm. to take pictures. And the cool thing about this is you can find them online. You can download them. Um, yeah, that's keep... it. You find you find paper crafts that have had their color removed, that's and then when one you of the take collectibles. a f- yeah, you take a photo of them, and then you get the recipe for how to make the paper craft. Which I I was this this might not be the game's fault, but I f- I finished it about five hours before this call started, and I wanted to use <laughs> that last five hours to make a little paper craft thing because I wanted to try this out. But for whatever reason, I couldn't sync my collectibles with the website, no matter oh, how no. hard I tried. No, and I. I I got them all, and I really actually do want to make a little model of a toi. I mean, I, I I made the squirrel. I made I made one of the little squirrels once because I just wanted to see if I could. And it, yeah, it, and it, it, I'll give I'll let you know now. Some some of them are lovely and easy and like uh, borderline origami. Yeah, uh, and some of them require qu- quite a lot of cut and stick and attention. Yeah, some of them are quite difficult. I imagine. I imagine the messenger will be one of the nightmare ones. Uh, it even <laughs> it, it rates them based on difficulty. It says like easy, medium, and tricky. And Atois t- tricky. And I think that's their sugar-coated way of saying bloody difficult. But it I is also- worth doing. I would yeah. I would highly recommend going and trying and making the paper crafts. I was going to say as well. I have one of the things I found really interesting, and I find it very particularly interesting that you complete games a hundred percent with this regard. Is that yeah. I remember beating Spyro the Dragon 2 and Spyro the Dragon 3 100%. Yeah. And then particularly Spyro the Dragon 3, if you beat it 100%, it gives you a final boss fight against the game's main villain. They go, oh, the main villain actually didn't die in the final boss fight. And now it's your turn to fight them again, and you you do a final boss fight with them. But during that boss fight, that boss has no voice lines. There is no cutscene after you do it. And there's just some dialogue, which is like, well, I guess she's dead now. No, there's, and, there's there's like the final. There is a cutscene at the end of that game. It's, it's but it's like not. The, it's like it's the real not, ending. It's not the conclusion of the story. The conclusion of the story happened when you beat the sorcerer, and that's like that's the end of the game, as it were. And then this there's this bonus thing at the end of like, oh, you can also do this. There's also yeah. this thing at the end. And from that day forward, I concluded it was never worth completing a game 100 percent really, because I realised that okay. there's nothing there's nothing you can <laughs> put at the end of a video game. <laughs> That is ever worth doing the game 100% because by definition, by completing a game 100%, there is nothing left for you to do. Yeah. And that's and that's actually why I think Tearaway was good because actually you got something for completing this game 100%, which is you now basically have a book of paper crafts you can go and make and enjoy. That was something that I, yeah, that was something that I really liked about it. I love Tearaway because it's a very immediate game. The platforming, I think, is fun and inventive, and the scenarios are fun and inventive. I mean, I'm just... 
I'm really hoping you agree, and I'm really hoping that playing it 100% didn't ruin that, because I'm worried now that you ran around the same environments over and over and over again, just going mad. No. Here's the thing. I feel like partly you you gave me this game partly to delight me, and it did delight me. That's I've been yeah. very careful with my wording. I did not lose the smile on my face when I was playing through the story. But I think partly you played it so you could, like, like a kind of... I don't know, a bit like when you sit a drug addict down and say, look at the damage you've done to your family. It's, it, 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 it's, it's like you, you you chose me a game where the delight I would feel would have diminishing returns when I go for 100%. Because basically, there are collectibles. Like you said, if you take a picture of something that's lost all its colour, you get the instruction for how to make that thing. And that's a wonderful thing, because that's a collectible in a game giving you a tangible reward. And yeah. there's, to my knowledge, there's nothing that's done that quite as well. And I, as soon as I can sync it up, even when this is over, I want to make a model of my character. Because mm. the ending, it, like that's the reward you get for finishing the game, is you get the papercraft instructions for how to make your character, because it's like, you've seen my world, let me explore yours. And I was like, yes, definitely, please, thank you. Yeah, I forgot that's how he says. Yeah, and, and oh. I really, and I want to make my character for that reason, because I had a lovely time playing the story, and I would like to... And, and collecting all of the models was not arduous at all. There was one that I had to look up, because it, it was a bit silly, but you, if you use the camera... You turn into like this first person mode and you can see most of them and it gives you instructions on what they all are and it, it places them in order of where you'll find them. So, uh, so all that's fine. That's not the only collectible. You also get a score sheet that tells you how many scraps you've killed. Now, again, that's not a problem because if you play through the story normally and just don't miss any, you'll you'll kill them all. That's not a problem. I missed two and I don't know how I missed two. So I went back and, and got them and that's fine. Confetti is like the gems inspire the dragon mm. um and you use that to buy new camera filters and new lenses and new like things to customize your character with um so that's all that's all cool uh i got all that it wasn't too arduous because again if you just stray off the beaten path a little bit you get them and that's not that's not a problem there are side quests um mm. so you get special presents and those presents just contain confetti the side quests are really easy to find that's not a problem the problem is there's another collectible, and these are presents. They're hidden presents that you open by pulling the ribbon off using the touchscreen. Yeah, which and is a really cute thing to do. It is. It's um, really cute. But they, they're like, you know in Lego games, the mini kits? Mm. They're kind of like that. They're basically just things that are put out of view behind a little platforming nook. It's just slightly out of view. And there's like half a dozen in each level. It's not too bad. But that was... And crucially, crucially, you do not need to find them in any capacity. No, they do because they... not aid your progress. No, they give you confetti and nothing else. Which um, I think confetti is like a currency that can help you... Oh gosh, what does confetti do? Confetti buys you new lenses, new filters for your camera, and it also yes. buys you little things that you can stick to your character. If and you am I right in... Yeah, am I right in thinking you don't need to find all the presents to unlock everything in the camera? No, you don't. No, all, all the camera you can unlock fairly early just by, like, confetti. You get a lot of confetti for finding presents, but you will find enough to buy all the camera stuff about halfway through the game. If you want to buy all the customizational things, you also don't need every single piece of confetti. So I the think... game has actively told you oh, there is now you... no point yeah. in finding these presents because you got everything. I see what you're doing. Okay, now, the issue I have with the collectibles... 
didn't it, it's not the issue I had with like the collectibles were in hard places or the collectibles were were bollocks or they didn't give me any reward. The problem I had is that meant that meant I played the game long enough to see flaws in the gameplay. Right. And, and there are flaws in the gameplay on a really weirdly kind of fundamental level. And it's so... There are some things that could have been changed so easily, and it's so baffling to me that they weren't. Okay. That, that just kind of chipped away, like, the, the complete golden edge. Because you said that this is a 3D platformer. It makes mistakes that 3D platformers haven't made for decades. And it, okay. does, th- it does things that 3D platformers haven't had a problem with as long as I can remember. And one of the things is... Uh, okay, give you an example. I really like Crash Bandicoot. We've talked about this before in private, yes, how yeah. much I like. I really like Crash Bandicoot. I've played all of the four main ones, a couple of the extra ones that we don't talk about. And I actually quite like the first one. I'm quite good at the first one, <laughs> as much as <laughs> as much as that's not something I include on my CV. One of the things that makes... There's, there's a level where you go across a bridge with loads of broken planks and the, the platform is incredibly precise. And you will never, when you jump off screen, you will never not know where you're going to land because of one very important thing. And that is the drop shadow. Mm. That is a very fundamental thing in 3D platforming. In When you jump, you will have a little shadow that is exactly where you will land. And that has been in all the Crash Bandicoot games since the first one, which is going back to 96. It's in all the Spyro games. It's in all the 3D Mario games. The little drop shadow is so fundamental. It's not in Tearaway. Yeah. I can't say there was ever a point in Tearaway where I felt I needed it. Uh, there, there, There is. In some of the later levels, there's some very precise platforming that I would have really liked a little okay. kind of drop shadow. And, and that's the thing. It's like... It wasn't, and again, I know what you're going to say when I say this, because ultimately it's my fault that this is a problem. Because you went too hard on it. Because I went went, too hard on it. No, I think that's okay to say. I mean, I'll say from my experience from having played it, that never occurred to me once. Yeah. It never occurred to me once that that was a problem in the game. And you might well, I don't doubt that it's true because you've played it more recently than I have. Yeah. It's it's not like, it's not a major thing that like, I would never stop someone from... And, and it probably won't affect, like, my overall opinion of the game. But it's such an odd thing to not have when mm. it would it would not have changed your experience at all to have it. I it think would've... it might have had an impact on the art style. But there is Cause... a shadow. Your character has a shadow when they jump. Your character just... has a shadow. It's just not a drop shadow. It's just so not they're, a drop... they're so... using an independent light source and it's probably yeah. a real-time shadow, which is why you don't have a drop shadow. Yeah. But I, okay, all right. I didn't realize I was talking to the CEO of Media Molecule defending his <laughs> his art. All right, but it's it's well, well. That, no, I'm not. I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm saying you're right. They probably should have put a little circle where where yeah. um, I, like in Crash Four. There's a little like I think yeah. Crash Four dealt with the problem by going. We have real time lighting casting shadows from characters as well. Yeah. Oh here's, no, where's the little circle, orange yeah. rat gonna land? Uh, um, yeah. The realistic lighting means that it's almost impossible to see. The, I mean, um, even with the little circle, Crash 4 is an impossibly hard game anyway. Oh, um, 100%ed that one. <laughs> which, again, 
maddening because the a it's incredibly hard b the demands for 100 percent are really hard and c you've got to replay every level at least four times or something it's ridiculous it's it like one of my favorite game franchises <laughs> it ruined crash i i recently slightly. finished i recently finished crash 4 as in i i just got to the final boss and beat the final boss yeah um i think it's probably my second least favorite crash game to be honest um, i i really liked it and then i went to 100 percent. i i'm starting to hear the connection here yeah but yeah um is it that's more of a kind of like minor thing and there's a lot of there's some precise platforming later on and here's where you'll lose all sympathy for me and this is in my minor odyssey to collect the platinum trophy there are three silver trophies that you have to get which are, you don't have to get them. You do. You have to get them. <laughs> no, you don't. You don't have to get any of them. Stephen Media and Barry Molecule broke into my house and told me I had to. Um, or they couldn't think okay, of anything. What? I couldn't think of anything that wasn't dark. I'm sorry. Some, some. To be fair, some of these trophies are adorable. I'm they looking are. at the trophy list right now. There's one called the Good Old Days, which is take a black and white photo of a gopher riding an elk. Yeah, which and- is just. It is charming to the hill. Especially the way I got it. I'm sure there's a way that you could just find one. But the way I got it is I saw a deer wandering around. I picked up a gopher and chucked him on it. Yeah. It was it was wonderful. I was so and glad to get it. And you learned that that's, that's an interaction you can do in the world, is you can just make them ride the elks. Yeah. And I, I, um, I got that one. But the, the, there are three trophies that are about finishing a level without losing your stamp. And without losing your stamp is a code for without taking damage or yeah. dying. And the checkpoint system in the game is very forgiving. It's also very inconsistent and arbitrary, and I don't understand it. Because it it has... This is a small side. It has checkpoints that you see. Like, you walk over something and it explodes as if to go, this is a checkpoint. Mm. But it also has invisible checkpoints that you go back to if you die. Mm. What's the point in the visible ones, then? If you just go um, arbitrary... What's the point? I think the visible ones give you confetti? I don't think they do. I'm not sure then. I don't know why it's, there's it, a distinction. It's so weird because like some platforming challenges, like basically it'll be three small hops onto an island and then three more small hops onto an island. There'll be no checkpoint on that island. But if you die on the second set of small hops, you'll be sent back to the middle of the island. It's like, well, all right, what was the point of the checkpoint then? Why I'm not. Put- I think maybe the checkpoints mark points where you can... Save, maybe? No, like, yeah, it's got like a chapter system. No, there's 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 a few more. There's like it genuinely is like half of the checkpoints in the game are marked and half aren't for okay. reasons long way beyond human comprehension. I mean, that's not a problem, is it? I don't. It's, think it's not a problem. It's, it's not a problem. It's just like inconsistency becomes a problem for me with another thing. I've, I I'll admit I'm not sticking onto one topic all that well. I'm kind of like. <laughs> Jazz so, improving my way through. So but there's the, there's no there's no drop shadow, which I agree no is shadow. a problem. Which which is um, a problem when you you found it hard at points, which I, I find hard. I find that I find that surprising no, because okay. you've, you've 100 percented the Crash Bandicoot games, and I don't think I've played a gentler video game than Tearaway. Okay, here's the thing, because uh, those three trophies are to to finish the levels without taking damage, and the the issues I had with some of those later levels stem from the drop shadow not working. And the drop shadow is very important in 3D games because perspective isn't great in any 3D game. 
even now, because it's it, it's still quite difficult to fully understand precisely where you are in 3D space when you're staring at a two-dimensional screen. It's, yeah, the only it, the only console that ever solved that was the 3DS, and and, and that and that caused other problems. <laughs> yeah, that it turns yeah. out you can know where your character is in a 3D space in exchange for a headache. Yeah, <laughs> um, but it it meant that quite often I had to I was getting close to the end of a level, having not taken damage, and it's not difficult to do because it's not that difficult a game. And there's some challenge if you're trying to fight all the scraps in a in an area without taking damage, but you can do that without too much issue. Um, I died quite a lot on one of the later levels with quite precise platforming because it's just almost impossible to know where you're going to land because you don't know fully where you are in 3D space, there's no drop shadow, and just to throw you off even more, there's a realistic shadow that's shot off somewhere to the right because you're falling realistically. And and that's just like a, a minor issue that caused a few problems that would have been solved by me just not being who I am. And ultimately, maybe that's the easiest solution, <laughs> is to fundamentally change who I am as a person. But inconsistency kind of, like, runs through, because there's another couple of things that I found really inconsistent, and it's, did you know that this platformer, this platformer, has fall damage? Yes, it does, yeah. But sometimes. Yeah, I think it's so you can't skip level segments. It's not I'm not skipping it. I fell down off a platform and it killed me. But yeah, then but I, I but... think I think you could exploit it to skip level segments if you didn't take the correct route. Okay. Maybe. I I first experienced the the fall damage, which is, by the way, bananas in a 3D platformer there's fall damage. Especially no, when you loads, made... of, loads of three D platformers are yeah, fall Bubsy. damage. Um, Super Mario 64. Okay, yeah, but you... <laughs> Alright, I, I got on a soapbox a little bit there for something that you very yeah, easily yeah, disproved. Yeah. That's made me feel very fall, impotent. Fall damage exists in 3D platformers yeah, quite a lot, yeah, largely okay. to prevent you from skipping sections of the game. God, okay, I see what you're saying. Um, there's a glitch, there's a glitch in Mario 64 to prevent you from experiencing fall damage, but it's not intentional. Okay, now I see why it's you that normally plays, like, the angry... Role <laughs> rather than me because because I'm not very good at it because I immediately get knocked down by one thing and I think oh yeah you're right you just need to make yeah. better arguments that's how you yeah. win that's... yeah okay the fall damage one isn't isn't like it isn't a major thing I mean I, I... don't look I, I could understand it if it was a problem in terms of like it prevents you from playing the game but actively it does the opposite it forces you to play the game properly but I fell off I, the first time I experienced fall damage was falling off a platform back to where I started. Yeah, so killing you is ultimately better because then you don't fall all the way back to the start. But the checkpoint was behind where I landed. Yeah, but not far, right? Not, no, not far. <laughs> but it seems all right. And also, it taught you don't fall off. Okay, fair, right, fair enough. I mean, if you, okay. Um, <laughs> I really went in hard on this, didn't I? And I've really got nowhere to go. I'm pretty sure Super Mario Sunshine has fall damage, right, and maybe, that gives you a rocket okay, extension right, to shoot maybe, you into the air so you can experience maybe it. Maybe every 3D platformer has fall damage, and everyone that doesn't is wrong. Maybe that's what I've learned here today. I mean, can you think of one that... I mean, Crash doesn't, but I don't Crash think Crash doesn't. has any particular situations where you can experience fall damage. Yeah, the, the first game, the big... Uh, the, the Okay, uh, very specifically, The Great Gate and Native Fortress... Uh, oh yeah, off. and then yeah. if you fall off, you would rather die because the checkpoint is usually further up than where you were. That okay? Again, I agree. 
right, this is getting quite problematic. Um, thank God this isn't this argument isn't vital to my existence. Um, the the inconsistency also like the tangibility of real world objects. Some of them aren't. Some of them are, and it's it like. Yeah, random I, random number generator as to whether or not it is the one that you can actually jump on. Well, it's not random number generator. It it's is, just it whether or not you generate. No, it's just whether or not you <laughs> found the actual interactable platform. No, the, right. the platforms don't randomly exist based on a dice roll. Yeah. Okay. Right, right. Here's the thing that I want to see if you can defend the camera. The camera, in in certain spaces, the camera you have full control over the camera. Yeah. Right analog stick. You've got a full analog stick on the PS Vita. Yeah, it's the best 3D platforming has ever been on a portable console. It is. It's it's okay. I mean, there's no drop shadows, so make of that what you will. Um, well, I'm just saying your alternative <laughs> is Super Mario 64 DS, which doesn't even have an analog stick. It has a touch screen that you can use as an analog stick. And let's face oh, it. Oh joy! <laughs> let's what face could it. be what could be better than the precision of a touch screen for analog control? <laughs> It's, is it a step up from the N64's controller? No, it's significantly is... worse. <laughs> oh, okay. That's that's quite an insult. Um, but the, the camera, like, sometimes it's a locked camera. And for platforming, fair enough. But for certain relatively wide platforms that you stand on, you can't move the camera whatsoever. Mm. And, and th- there are certain things that look like secret passageways. And there are certain secret passageways that are kind of hidden behind the fact you can't move the camera. And some yeah. of them look like it and aren't, and you fall off and die. And right. it, it's it's insane that it doesn't have full camera control everywhere, because absolutely anywhere in the game you could whap out your camera and have a look around in first person, and yeah. everything is rendered. So I don't understand yeah. why there's not like a fully controllable camera at all times. So this is to do with game design in particular in 3D platformers. So the yeah. problem with the problem with 3D platformers usually isn't to do that like most 3D platformer games have a problem with camera control in some way. Mm. So the original Mario 64 has a famously unreliable camera. Super yeah. Mario Sunshine kind of like un- as you suggest unlocks the camera and gives you control of the camera everywhere and as a result it's actually quite difficult to get the camera to go consistently somewhere where it's useful. Okay. Um Mario Galaxy similarly lock, more or less locks the camera and mm. is like, you're looking at this. This is what you're looking at. And I think Tearaway compromised into making that decision in that what it's largely doing when it locks the camera is it's basically showing you where to go and why you should go there. So it's yeah. kind of it's kind of curating your experience in a way that's saying, now is not the time to explore. Go but, here. But I I agree with that. But sometimes it is the time to explore because it fairly early on sets out its stall that there's hidden stuff. But it also has hidden stuff during these moments of fixed camera. Okay, I I mean I can't remember. I didn't go for the hidden stuff quite as much as you did, so I don't know. I don't know how much how like well signpost the hidden stuff is. I would say that might be a problem. I feel like I've won. Well, it might be that it's a problem with signposting hidden collectibles. Yeah, it is a problem. Um, However, my argument against it would be I think locking the camera in a 3D platformer is often justified by the fact that sometimes it is better to like push the player towards the objectives of the game mm. rather than like giving you free control over the camera the whole time 
and then you getting lost because you didn't know where to go because you didn't have that like guidance like there's a there's a whole theory of like uh the way that certain video games are designed particularly dark souls the way dark souls is designed you're supposed to sort of like the game is designed to sort of subliminally influence the paths you take so yeah. that you sort of follow a critical path even though technically early on in the game you could go down into like the highest level area and be killed immediately the yeah. game is designed in such a way as to discourage you from thinking that's an option yeah and i think tearaway while while obviously not as open or as devastatingly difficult as those games mm. it is basically trying to go no go here this this follow this route now don't you know, don't try and like go back on yourself. Particularly, Tearaway doesn't reward you really going back on yourself. It's a linear game. Yeah, uh, I, it doesn't. I agree with that. It doesn't want you to like, uh, like in particular, one of the things that's quite interesting about it is you acquire powers. You you can't take them back to previous levels. Yeah, you can. Uh, can you? Yeah, you can. There's just literally no point. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No. You genuinely, you can, and and it makes it clear that like if you do revisit, you do take your powers. So like you don't get the camera until the second chapter. You can take the camera back to the first chapter, and if you go back to the first chapter after finishing the game, you even have the squeeze box. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's just that there's no there's nothing gained from apart from taking the camera back to the first chapter means you get some papercraft models because there are some hidden in the first chapter before you get the camera. That's literally mm. the only reason to go back with a power in the whole game. Yeah, yeah. But, it doesn't It doesn't have any hidden secrets. It's not but, Metroid-ish. Yeah, but I take your point. And your point is that you, there's no secret that requires a power that you'll get later. And you yeah, are yeah. right for the most part, apart from so I would, one instance. So I would say the problem there is not the camera... I would say the problem is signposting secrets. Okay. I'm glad you didn't say the problem was me. No, no, no. I mean, look, you're determined to beat this game 100%. And look, hey, I, you know, I find it absolutely bizarre that you <laughs> want to beat all these games 100% because I promise you the reward is never worth it, it in it any video game. It wasn't an ordeal until playing... Because I'm, I'm kind of glad that I played it 200% because it meant that I did notice these issues. Yeah. And... And, why and, why just be left with the beautiful illusion of a perfect game? Why yeah, not go and ruin I, that for yourself? Well, hold on. That's interesting that you're the one saying this. Well, I don't, I don't I invite play my friends on and give them a kick in. <laughs> yeah, but I don't play these games until I'm bored of them. I play them... Well, no, actually, what I largely do is I do play them until I'm bored of them and then, and then I move on because what you... I don't want to do is just endure tedium. I've listened to every episode of this podcast and you just had a go at me for like... <laughs> yeah, but why would you play a game you don't like? Well, hang on. <laughs> no, no, no. Why would you play a game until you didn't like it? I, I didn't think that that would happen because I got to the end and it does track your percentage. Chris, does... I'm gonna, I'm gonna level with you. I'm gonna, I'm gonna put this down on the table now. Have you ever not hated a game by the time you've a hundred percented it? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> like that, right? Come on. All right, that's an interesting question. <laughs> That's and, the problem with 100% okay. in games. You grow to hate them because okay. you're doing the same things over and over again. Okay, give me give me a minute. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I might need a list of the games I've completed. <laughs> I mean, off the top of your head, you can't write. Pokemon, I'm assuming you hate now. No, I, I like it, but that's because I've moved on to the fourth generation and it's it looks nicer. But you and hate I'm the third generation, And I'm, I'm excited. Right? About, I'm quite glad to have finished the third generation. Yeah, yeah, yeah right? Did yeah. you like Crash 4 by the end of it? 
No. No, you hated it, right? Yeah. You you played Tearaway into 100% and you still like it, but you pointed out that you like it less because you played it to 100%. Yeah. I mean, okay. look, I this is the thing. I would argue, particularly with... Well, maybe with Tearaway. I don't know. Tearaway is already quite a short experience. It's like seven, mm. eight hours long. It's not a very long video game. And to 100% it... You're not going to find anything new, I don't think. You'll get more papercraft recipes, and yeah. that's cute and nice. But that that wasn't the thing you found a problem to getting 100%. What you found was the problem was the, the presents. The presents have no purpose. Yeah, they just give you yeah. confetti, which can help you unlock some of the camera lenses earlier. Yeah. But and that's you, it. Yeah. yeah, and there are loads that I, I unlocked everything in the game and didn't use most of it. And I think... I think this is the, the, like this is the intervention, Chris. This yeah. is the moment when you have to come and realize that actually beating video games 100% is usually a large waste of time. Off the top of my head, the video games I've beaten 100%, Spyro 2 and 3. Yeah. And they were fine because actually Spyro 2 and 3 are quite short games. And yeah. Oh, Spyro 2 and 3. Yeah. Uh, yeah, those ones. Yeah. For yeah. me. For do you know what's, yeah. you know what's really go. good about Spyro 2 and 3? Go on. And 1. When you 100% them, they actually have like new and unique things that are rewarded for doing that. As in, I can't believe get... you're saying Spyro Two's got a, got a dog shit reward for hundred percenting it. No, 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 no. I'm saying the process of hundred percenting it yeah, gives right. you new yeah. things to do. Okay, so as you go small. and find, as you go and find the orbs, those are unique individual challenges yeah, that are. are fun and designed. The only thing in Spyro that's like a mess around with you is the gems, yeah. and that's actually quite fun, and yeah. the game actively gives you tools to find the gems. Yeah, it does. Okay. So those games are fun to 100% because there's like 100% worth of content. Yeah. Whereas most video games, like for example Pokemon, there isn't 100% worth of content. There's like 40% worth of content and the remaining 60% is the random grab bag of fun nonsense that makes yeah. that 40% entertaining. I Yeah, okay. <laughs> I didn't really think that this is how it would progress. <laughs> but, but there's no way around it. That was a bollocking. You did want a bollocking. I did. You wanted me to play Oblivion, and instead I got you to play Tearaway, and now you're getting your bollocking. <laughs> I'm getting told off, and it was your recommendation. And I'm glad that it's this way around, because you played a video game that I'm sure you like. I I, re I really did like it. And the issues... That, well, th that's, that's one of the other things, is I don't think I could ever play it again. Are you and sure? I don't know, well, maybe. I don't know. That was a bold because, statement. That was a bold statement that I immediately take back, because, I don't know. No, because, Chris, there is another way for you to play Tearaway, which oh. is to play Tearaway Unfolded. Is that significantly different? Yes. Is it? Tearaway Unfolded is basically, because it doesn't have the same features as the PlayStation Vita, mm. they went and they went, okay, well, we've got the DualShock 4. And so yeah. they invented mechanics around the DualShock 4. And so Tearaway Unfolded is about, I'd say maybe 70%, 80% the original game, mm. and 30%, 20% new content that only works on the PlayStation 4. Yeah. And it's like it's like this game got remade and reimagined. Mm. And it's actually, I love Tearaway Unfolded as well as a companion to Tearaway. And I kind of want every console generation 
to have a tearaway. I kind of want every console to get a tearaway because it has it. Play, it's so playful with the the platforms that it's on. It, it feels like the I never played the Astros Playroom thing, but it feels yes. like kind of it feels like a a bigger version of that, or like a like, like a version of that that's less of a kind of sightseeing tour of gimmicks. Yes, yeah. I mean, look, I also loved Astro's Play. I think I, I'm uh, currently of the opinion that Astro's Playroom was the best game of 2020. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I'm getting a kick in from a man who's just said that. But no, but look, because I, I, to be fair, the only other games I've played in 2020 so far are The Last of Us Part 2. Okay, I didn't play that. Which, which is like Cause I'm, a I'm very... a rich man. You don't, it's like, it's less than 20 quid now. I'm not. I, okay. I look. The Last of Us Part Two is a very good video game. It's very well made. It's very admirable mm. as a video game. It's just that when I played Astro's Playroom, I grinned from ear to ear the entire time and yeah. replayed it and replayed it again. I'm like, this is the cutest game I've ever. 100 percent in that game. Yeah. Um. But that's because I think there's 100 percent worth of content in that game. Uh, uh, um, all right. That's that sounded like a like a subtle dig. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like five it's, six hours. 100. No, I know, but it's just fine. the way the way you said it was very much like. And also, it has this much. Like you were, like you said, it would. I, I can't see your face, but I can imagine what it was doing when you. Yeah, said yeah, that. yeah. You're, you're yeah. not wrong. Um, <laughs> um, and then uh, the other one is Final Fantasy, which it, I think Final Fantasy VII remake probably will take it. I'm really loving Final Fantasy remake. And then I've got Ghost of Tsushima to play still. Mm. I, I'm years and years behind on on games. That's why. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, tear away. I should have got because it's. I played the demo and was and was lukewarm on it, and I can't really explain why. I think it's because the the it, the the snippet it gives you is just long enough to think if this is what the game is, if it's this like I don't see how it can progress and get better. Mm. And it does. It does get better, and it is very much worth. If you if you if you own a PS Vita, first of all, you're <laughs> well on done. this podcast already. Um, <laughs> well, but if yeah, if you own a PS4, go and get Tearaway Unfolded because it's really, really cheap. Not necessarily you, Chris, but the listener. The <laughs> listener, go and get Tearaway Unfolded. It's a marvelous and beautiful and original game, and it's basically the same as the Vita one. It's slightly different. It's got yeah. some additions. It's got some subtractions. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think though, Tearaway on the Vita is the better game. It's the, it, I I couldn't imagine as I was playing it because I obviously was aware of Tearaway Unfolded. As I was playing it, I was thinking, I don't see how this. Obviously, this isn't what's on the PS4 because this just fundamentally won't work. But I don't mm. see how it could be anywhere near as charming. I mean, are we gonna? We've we've been talking for a while. Are we gonna talk about the message I sent you the other day? You can do, yeah, if you want to. I think it was. This... I think it makes an interesting point about the fact. So we said the Vita. This game uses all of the Vita's features. Yeah, and I, <laughs> I sent you a message <laughs> for the weekend because I played it in the bath. Yeah, and it's got and the cameras, hasn't it? Felt proper dirty. I mean, I, felt, I would, I, I would say, don't I, play video games in the bath. I felt awful. I felt like I'd, I, I felt like I was like in some way ruining a childhood, even though it wasn't necessarily mine. <laughs> it's, it was, it felt really like I, I don't feel great. I'm a bit proud of admitting it because it's quite a funny thing to say, but um, <laughs> I'm not hugely proud of it. And obviously, when you do that thing and you're like. And your finger pokes through, and you see what's on the other side of the world, and you're like, "I'm not sure if 
really you should be delivering a message to. Yeah, this is a three plus video game. This is I, a. I always like it wasn't like graphic. It just like all the while like I I definitely had a moment before I started doing it which was I don't know if I should do this. It doesn't feel in the spirit of the game. But I did it, and I did it entirely because I wanted to tell you that I did it. That's... Well, that's a bit weird. It is, yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I would like the idea that you knew. <laughs> it's funny, it is funny, because you're right, it's sort of the weird context of the world can change how you view it. Yeah. Uh, but, it, um, also, it also asked quite a few times to say, because quite often it asks you to take a picture of your surroundings. Um, mm. And it was like... I got to a point where, like, a pig had no colour and was like, I'm not part of you. I'm not part of your story until you take a picture and I become part of your story. And I was like, like sat in the bathroom, like there's nothing <laughs> here that I can take. So I took a picture of my mug. Um. Mm. So so the little pig had like a like a Yorkie written on it. Yes. Yeah. Because yeah. he gets a texture from the world, doesn't he? Yeah. And it was it was adorable, but I did feel very much like that was the most challenging part of the whole game. Was like. <laughs> try and take a picture whilst you're in the bath that won't upset you fundamentally. I mean, again, that... this is a problem you've made for yourself. It is, yeah. <laughs> it was, weirdly, there was no trophy associated with it. No, there wasn't. Was it that? was, I, I, I did feel kind of self-conscious playing it a couple of times, even when I wasn't in the fucking bath. Because, <laughs> <laughs> because it, it does, on a couple of occasions, ask you to record yourself. Uh, and I'm not, I'm not crazy about when games ask you to do that, because um, obviously there is the scarecrow that wants a scary cry, and I actually I found a clever way around that embarrassment, and I asked Jordan to do it. Yeah, um, there you go. And, that's uh, also fun. That's like a fun way to get someone else involved in your game. And it is. It was like... it was adorable to hear her terrifying scream repeated a few times as the level went on, but um, when it asked me to record myself saying something so that I could hear the echo, I was quite quietly going, uh, hello, because I, I didn't want to answer any questions about, what are you doing? I'm just recording myself so that it echoes in a cave. <laughs> because let's be honest, I test the relationship enough by being this. I don't, I, I don't then want to say... <laughs> you know what? You know, no, do you know what, Chris? I think, I think your partner, if you said, oh, I'm I'm yelling into a cave to hear an echo in this game. I think they yeah. go, oh, that's cool. It's cool that that's in a game. I was delighted and charmed. But also, it, I mean, one of the other things that I felt slightly self-conscious is there's a palm reader who asks you to take a picture of your palm. Yeah. And for whatever reason, no matter how high or low you have the volume on the PS Vita, it will always, when you take a photo, make the same level of very loud noise. So she yes. was sat the other side of the room. I took a picture of my palm and she saw me do it and it was like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I have to take a picture of my palm. <laughs> the fortune the, teller. Because the fortune teller's going to read it. And she doesn't, by the way. Just just says, yep, yeah, come through. She does, yeah, yeah. yeah. But like, I, I can tell you why that actually happens. Um, that's because uh, it's to stop you taking pictures of people knowing that you're taking them. Uh, oh, good call. It's actually, I think, a law in Japan that a camera on a phone or a device like a PS Vita has to make a loud, audible noise so that people can't have photos secretly taken of them. Oh. So there you go. That's now you know. Yeah. Um, so if, if we've learnt nothing from this podcast, don't <laughs> use a PS Vita for snooping. For snooping, absolutely yeah. not. So <laughs> It's because you'll get rumbled while you're in a bush. So, Chris. I, I, think, I, I think I've covered everything. Yeah. 
I think I have too. Chris, mm. is Tearaway the best video game you've never played? Right. This is a this is a tricky question because I'm not the host and I have nothing to compare it to. I do. Do you think right now mm. there is anything Tearaway could have done apart from a drop shadow? <laughs> Don't diminish the criticism I found. No, no, no. But like, I guess, I guess. Do do you feel like this is a great, a great video game? Oh. that's like, hands down, yes. The reason why it's tricky is because I would recommend anyone play this. The problem is the hurdle of do I recommend people go out and buy what is essentially a relic of a forgotten era in Sony's life? Or they can go and get the PS4 version. <laughs> That's not an option. <laughs> That's not what you asked me to play. That's true. That's true. Yeah, but look, but, look. Uh, yes, I would say. I, I, I would say it's because I, I did even hundred percenting it that I'm genuinely like I'm genuinely still right now sitting here disappointed that I couldn't get the papercraft thing to work, and I don't really have an explanation as to why it didn't. It just kept telling me on the game that it wouldn't sync. But I really wanted to make the papercraft model. And I still really do. And and I will do in my own time. And I did, throughout the entire story, have a massive grin on my face. And luckily, if you're a weirdo who is happy to, like, leave the game uncompleted, it, like, like a kind of person who gets halfway through a book, puts it down and goes, that's enough for me. I've had my fill of words. <laughs> and, like, if you're that kind of person, then I suppose there's no justifiable reason to get everything because it doesn't add anything. It doesn't add anything <laughs> to get it. It does add a platinum trophy to your counter, which is how you measure your worth as a human. And like, um, if you are a platinum trophy hunter, this is a a relatively easy way. It's, it is. It's it's not a it's not a difficult one. You will have a delightful time. And, and the way I play games is I'm I don't ruin it for myself at the off. I did play the whole story without looking anything up. I looked up maybe four or five things when I was getting collectibles because I just genuinely couldn't find them and I didn't understand why I couldn't. One of them was quite obtuse, but it, it, other than that, if you're, the, if you're like me, if you like me, <laughs> and, and I think no one is anymore, <laughs> uh, it's, it's a game that actually was not, was not too, it didn't ruin it too much to 100% it. And as Lewis has pointed out, that's quite a good score for a game that you've 100%ed. Yeah, because it's pretty rare that that happens. Well, I'm <laughs> delighted. I'm really, I'm really glad you like the video game. I've only out of out of the people that have come back, I've only managed to get two people to like the video games. Chris, if you head back to Facebook because you told me this is the best video game that you've never played, I've sent you a special gift on Facebook. Oh really? Okay, I'm I'm back on Facebook. I've sent you the papercraft for a toy. Oh, I'm really genuinely. That's that's really cool, and I am gonna. Oh, it's not not as much of a nightmare as I imagined. Have loads of fun. I will do. I will make hundred hundred percenting making a toy. <laughs> And thanks very much again for coming on the podcast. Thank you for having me again. Um, I'll see you when you relent and finally play Oblivion.
that was Chris, and I'm so glad he loved Tearaway because I think Tearaway is the warm blanket of video games for me. I always think of it so fondly and so affectionately that I'm so glad he really liked it. If you're enjoying the podcast, please like to it, subscribe to it, tell your friends about it, tell your enemies, whisper it to dogs, uh, write notes around the town telling people they have to listen to it. Why not start up a bomb scare to help promote the show? Do whatever you can to help get the word out there uh, in order to uh, help people uh, find the show if you think they would like it. And uh, if they wouldn't like it and they still find it, just just as long as they don't really tell me, I don't really care, do I? There's a little number on the app I use to track all this, and if that goes up, so does, so does my opinion of myself. Thanks for listening, and stay safe. 